Yeah, you can totally read that if you want, but also later put it back under your mic because it's a little bit wobbly. Yeah, <laughs> That's no. there for I know stable. Why it's there. <laughs> That's a load-bearing magazine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, you guys don't want to take your blowfish. It's super good hangover cure. I believe you, but it's it's. Uh this is working just fine. This is a delicious. <laughs> the booze, you Caesar, mean? The booze, yeah. <laughs> It'll offset things. I yeah, boo- booze. We all know this. Booze is the best. Yeah. Hangover cure. Hair the dog to bitch you. Yeah. Country, country music. I wrote up a, I wrote up a little thing here, just a quick little introduction. Yeah, that's well. You can do whatever. Cool, and you can tell me <laughs> like yours. how how uh, journalistic this is. Okay, <laughs> I'm excited for this. Get into it. I know. Yeah, okay, <laughs> so if he's new to you, Del Barber has been a staple of the country, folk country, Americana scene in Canada for years. Now on his sixth studio album, oh. Easy Keeper. <laughs> is getting some albums, dude. Yeah. Is getting some well-deserved attention in Canada and down in the States. Last month, Rolling Stone named his track Everyday Life as one of their 10 best country songs to hear now. He's part of a country scene and sound that has been building for years on the Canadian prairies that keeps gaining momentum. His sound is less like his more Nashville-centric Western Canadian counterparts like Brett Kissel, Dean Brody, Emerson Driver, Paul Brandt but sounds more akin to his fellow Prairie Roots country acts like Corb Lund, Tim Huss, Coulter Wall, or Belle Plain. At the slightly rockier times in his discography, the groove gets a little grittier and more towards a Blue Rodeo or a Texas Red Dirt Turnpike Troubadours kind of sound, and at folkier times, slightly pushing towards almost Justin Rutledge or at some banjo moments, uh, old man Ludica <laughs> vibes. banjo <laughs> banjo uh, But a sound still uniquely his own, layered with pedal steel and tremolo telecasters, he weaves vivid rural imagery of farmers as opposed to ranchers or cowboys, trading the roping, riding, rodeo, western themes for more a Midwestern landscape of grain elevators, cash crop farmers, hunting, fishing, and struggling with commodities prices. A theme that is as real a country experience as anything in North America, but less often sang about than the sexier cowboy life or back road tailgate parties. And personally, as someone who grew up with predominantly this rural experience, uh, this resonated with me so much more since the first time I heard it. And it's a pleasure to have Del Barber and Ryan... Funk, mm-hmm. join it's us. True, his name is actually Ryan Funk. Come on, that get the fuck out of here. The coolest name. <laughs> yeah. You you look like your last name would be Funk. <laughs> so the the two. <laughs> what does that mean? It's look at him. Oh, that he looks funky, not right? like he has a funk to him. No, like the funk <laughs> he, in the positive sense. He, sure. yeah. he also has a funk <laughs> to him. Well, yeah. I mean, well, you know, how long you guys have been on the road for a while? It's just the thing. It only takes a week or so for the funk Listen, to set in. I already funk. have funk. I just didn't shower today. It's a good funk. Uh, <laughs> so what did, what, did I hit the mark on that? Anything that offended you in there? No, not at all. It was Thanks. very offensive, Andrew. Very nice. Uh, <laughs> think about it for a bit before you decide. Right. We were been, we've been talking about the idea of being offended. And, and if, if you have to think about being offended, it probably means you're not offended. Yeah. <laughs> If you're offended, it's, it's then a you're knee jerk, right? It's yeah, well, I kind of think that way about being offended, but <laughs> well, anyway, the two steel players that I hire, Ryan Funk, and the which is an amazing name, Funke, uh, and the other guy is, <laughs> is Bill Western. Is that Come his on. actual name? That's it's like, and he's Bill Western the third. Get the fuck out of here! Wow. <laughs> so he's like, he was designed to play steel guitar. Did the other two? Did his father and grandfather play steel as well? His dad plays steel. Yeah. Oh my god! Oh, I did not know that. Not very. Not as proficiently as yeah. Bill. That's funky, man. That's the real third funky. of his name and a <laughs> legacy steel playing family. Yeah. Pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty neat. Cool. Wow. So welcome to Ottawa. Thanks Your for having us on the show, last man. Night. Well, thanks for coming. Yeah, I really appreciate you seeing you guys out there. We had a good time. Uh, Ottawa was always like a strange place to play. That was super strange last night. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, it was fine. I mean, it was... It, Why I, was it super strange? Well, okay. Uh, let me... Your show was unbelievable. It was amazing, but that room was like, I've, like whisper 
Like you couldn't even talk. Yeah, like, it was, it was, it was nice, so like, quiet. Listening room. Yeah, I've never been like I've never seen that in Ottawa where it's like a listening room. We play a lot of those. Uh, like they're like theater shows in small spaces. Like, which is nice as a duo. Um, with a band, it gets weird. Yeah, you know, I, I feel that. To like have yeah, a little exactly. more fun. Yeah, because your show fit that room really well. I mean, it did. We'll play to the room, right? Yeah. Like figure out. Uh, how to make a show work and wherever you are. Like if, if people are talking and having a good time, we can, we just, we do that for them. I yeah. You know. deal with what's happening. Yeah. Right? I don't know. I'm not trying to change their attitudes too much. I'm just trying to sort of, uh, yeah. So a couple nights ago in. you were in Toronto at the Dakota. Yeah. That w- similar vibe or <laughs> more. Cause every time I've been there, it's a bit more of a party. No, you can, you can, you can barely even get your sound out over the Dakota. If people so, are so loud at the Dakota, <laughs> we had the seven to nine slot. And uh, I was pretty nervous about the show because there's two of us. And I was like, ah. the place was packed. And we'd gone on stage and it was noisy. <laughs> From the first note, it was pin drop silence. Wow. That's yeah. impressive, dude. Wow. It was awesome. It was like the best show on this tour so far, for sure. So it's I'm slightly cool. like offended by that because last time I played Dakota, it was what, like a month ago. And I was solo. I had the similar worries. And... Pretty sure nobody even heard me playing. Yeah. I don't even know they That's noticed that I was been. on stage. I I played <laughs> with you're the sheepdogs there. <laughs> I played with the sheepdogs there years ago, and it was just like a biggest nightmare in my life. Like they <laughs> they just went on after me and just ruled, and I was just like this like plunky little thing no one heard, and they didn't even I don't even know if they knew I was on. It's hard, so. right? I was opening for um, Mountainhead. I don't know if you know those guys. Mm-hmm. They're like they will they wear denim from head to toe, and they have giant beards. They look as easy top, but they're mm-hmm. They cover like an old dirty bastard song. Anyways, that's fun. They were all there for them. So they didn't, they weren't, same thing. They weren't there for my whiny acoustic bullshit. Right. So you're off to Montreal tonight. Mm-hmm. Yes. Play in Montreal tonight uh, and then onward to the east. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, the first thing I want to say is kudos for traveling with a pedal steel player. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah. Like I, as, as a steel player myself, not even because I'm not professional or anything, but like when I go see bands that have steel on their record and I love it and then they show up with no, no steel, steel player. player. It's like, what the fuck? Come on, guys. Yeah. Like, it's like one of the most important parts of country music and like you can't fake it. I guess you can kind of with a B bender and uh, a bit of a volume pedal, eh. but still. Exactly. Yeah, that look is exactly what we're saying. Yeah. Like, it was so great. Like some of the solos you cut to where it was just like silence and steel. Yeah, like, it was yeah, beautiful. Like, that was that's, great playing, right? That's maybe the name of my new steel record. Silence, Silence and, steel. and Steel. I would, I, I'd buy that record. I'll buy it right now. I'll advance purchase it. <laughs> yeah, how long have you been playing? Uh, going on two years now. Shit. Yeah, he's brand new. Wow, you, you're, you're good for that's that. That's impressive. I did play uh, lap steel for a couple of years before I graduated to the yeah. pedal steel. That's super impressive, man. Yeah. You're, huh. fa- you're fantastic. Oh, yeah, that was great. Much. How Ryan, long have you been playing telly? Because you were doing I've both. I've been playing guitar switching. for, I guess, probably 10 years now. Okay. Yeah. He also is a great bass player. My favorite bass player. Wow. wow. So and when we do band shows, he plays bass and steel. Okay. Yo, do you want to join my band? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> super have, easy I have, commute. I have, I have openings. Right yeah. Super <laughs> easy commute from Edmonton. <laughs> yeah. So who's, who's your... Uh, I'm going to steel geek out for a moment. Like, who, who are sure. your pedal steel gods? It's like, going to take like an hour. <laughs> Um, I don't know if I have anyone in particular. All the old stuff, obviously, is where I probably pull a lot of inspiration from. I really love uh, uh, Dale Watson's guy. As far oh, as oh yeah, what is his name? Alive. Don Pollack. Right. That guy is just. Is a he a Pollock? <laughs> Sorry, Pollock. I couldn't let. I could not leave that on the table. <laughs> is he? Right but he's not with Dale all the time, right? Um, I see him. Like sure. he he has the glasses. Yeah, and yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, he yeah. wasn't he's, on he's that great. run I did with Dale. No, no. Okay, you did a run else. with Dale. Come on, man. Oh, cool. He's awesome, right? Run. Well, it was a super long three-show tour. <laughs> super long. He's super <laughs> cool. I met him uh, a few years ago in Nashville, and he's a really fucking awesome guy. Yeah, I like him. I mean, I didn't spend. I just when I'm support, I tried just to stay out of people's way because I don't want to be that guy. But, but he so. wasn't like chatting with you and like. Yeah, but I don't. I don't push people into. Yeah, that. I like, feel you. I want those gigs so badly. I want them to just uh, know I'm there, and, but not feel I'm there. Yeah, like, your support, want, you're hanging out, you're yeah, not fanboying. Actually support. Yeah. 
in whatever way. Like, do you want flowers every day, Dale? I'll bring you flowers. I don't care. <laughs> do you want only the red Skittles? I can do that. <laughs> whatever it is. Dale was funny. That was like, I talked to a lot of techs that were on that. And that it was just like honky tonk rooms in Texas. It was fun. Um, that sounds like the most fun. Yeah, it was, it was, they were challenging gigs for me because everyone just wanted Dale. Like there was not like, that's a, hard. There are really great support slots out there where like people are really, they really want to hear new music. And I don't know if Dale Watson's crowd really cares. They mostly want to dance and have fun. And I get it. So I just like played half an hour of fast shit and got off. And so that was like Continental Club. I never played that. I played. It was like a lot of. Uh, Did you do like Green Hall and? We never played Green Hall. Floors. Um, I'm trying to remember East Texas. It was East oh, Texas. Okay. East, yeah. And uh, small, like small rooms, like 400, 300 cap rooms, maybe cool. smaller. And uh, yeah, but. Dale's voice is really quiet. I don't know if you knew that. No. And uh, this was just me talking to, hanging out with the sound guys because that's who wanted to spend time with me as usual, the creeps. And <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, Dale, apparently Dale, like, has, it's really hard to get his voice over the mix. And so, like, the band has to be pretty quiet. Oh, and he has that to seems be weird quiet. to me. The vocal mic wants to feedback because it's pinned. It sounds oh, like shit. a huge voice. Right? Anyway, this is what the text told me and it kind of blew my mind. Oh, fair it, enough. It sounds massive and mm. loud, but apparently it's really quiet. It just like doesn't have a lot of gain. So when I met Dale Watson, I was in, I was in Nashville, this music festival, and uh, he played and then I just ended up being like, I was in the field. It was like uh, Muddy Roots. I've told you this story. You've probably talked about it in the podcast before, yeah. but he comes around and I'm like, oh, fuck, man, that was so awesome. And we're chatting. I give him a big hug, and he's, like, super chatty. He's, like, hanging out and chatting with me. And I've got, like, my girlfriend at the time was with me, and, like, she's, like, a super cute blonde. And, and I was like, Dale, I want to, I really want to, like, get you one of my CDs. And he's like, yeah, man, go ahead. Go go get your CD. And, nice. and I, I went to run, and I'm like, as I was running to get my CD, I realized I'm like, he just wants to hang out with my girlfriend. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. So I got my CD and I brought it back and he took it and probably threw it in the garbage after. But That's uh, he was super nice. It's he making a nice really guy. nice coaster yes. at the Watson household. <laughs> yeah, right. But he is a like the super Watson nice, house. personable guy. Yeah, he's a sweetheart. I don't know. I never had any weird weirdness with him at all. But hmm. And the show is great. I don't know. That's awesome, dude. To me, it's like one of the best kind of honky tonk bands out there. Yeah, I agree. Who else do you like? Um, I just saw Marty Stewart again, and oh, um, no, it, yeah. it was the best show I've maybe ever seen. It was like the idea of live music with a band changed for me, and that was just like last month in Nashville. I saw him play, and I was like, I can do that. Like, I'm, I'm not gonna be as good as Marty, but like, <laughs> just the way that they move between sort of like acoustic and electric and honky tonk. It's like song to song. The stations on stage all stay the same, but they're able to just like come in and out and uh like effortlessly yeah so like that's what we do now i just like ripped off the the uh, marty stewart show we bring the drummer <laughs> up front he plays off. the snare and we sing together on one mic well, yeah man i like i love harry stinson he's like one of my favorite drummers background singers and uh just watching his take on drums live is just like so good so dynamic and it's just like exactly and and it was like one of these stupid nashville shows where like every, where was it everybody was there so it was a weird gig. It was the strange that record, The Stranger. Yeah. Um, they just played it from front to back at the at the Hall of Fame. Oh. Okay. So it was in that big Hall of Fame theater, and it was like Stapleton guested, Emmy Lou Harris Whoa. guested, Pam Tillis guested. Uh, oh, who was playing Steel that night? They had a guest on Steel because what's his name? The bass player didn't play console Steel. Mm -hmm. What's the bass player's name? Marty Stewart, the young guy. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But <laughs> yeah, it was the like most killer show. It was the most inspiring show, large scale show I've ever seen. Like I don't know when you see concerts in arenas and like these big country acts and they, it's like they don't know what to do. They're like, we we know we need pyrotechnics because we're in an <laughs> arena and then it's all of a sudden like this doesn't feel country anymore. Like we're not Guns and Roses here. Like, <laughs> but the Stewart show was so cool because they had all this integrated video content that was like uh, woven in between the songs and that even hmm. it had its own audio. So like the band would kind of like drop out and this video would start and it would be like narrative. Really? And so it was like a really massive show that was like about the band and about like sort of Marty's 
general belief system and and sort of how he sees the world and through the lens of this one record that hmm. was supposed to be his coming out record and ended up sort of completely tanking um it was like a bunch of money behind him at the time and then how long it came this? out and it was just like no one liked it no one didn't sell any what copies. was this i don't know what what year that record came out uh, he's been the champion of country music for so long i have this book at home it's uh like this giant photo book that that he did because he's a photographer too right right yeah and it's unbelievable like the cover of it is johnny cash is on the cover but it looks like it's beethoven because it's so like cla- johnny cash is so old like i think the photo was taken probably yeah like, right before he died but uh yeah he's amazing he's such a champion of I country s- music i saw this really cool youtube video uh it, it was only like a week ago or so where he was talking about he has the original b-bender guitar what was the guy's name in the birds? Uh, the guitar player. It's escaping me now. The lead uh, guitar, the Chris, telly player. Uh, like, oh man! And he died really early at yeah. like twenty nine. He was the guy. Stop looking at me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he was the guy who I think it was their oh, drummer. I have a computer. The drummer of the birds is who installed like uh, one of like a, a lift mechanism out of a pedal steel into his guitar that bends the b yeah. and he uh, apparently after he died his sister had it and through whatever circumstance the story he tells uh he came to know her and uh, because he was such a fan and a champion of their music she ended up uh selling it to him for like nothing so he has this original like b bender telly it's pretty cool and he has this like whole museum like he started collecting oh yeah people's like well, beauty was, suits and everything he played on the opry and he was like nine in mandolin or something like yeah r- i don't know some ridiculously young age he was like slaying like burning through mandolin solos like i don't know yeah like he, he was, he was with clarence white or something yeah. clarence white that might be it that's what it says yeah 1968 yeah fact checker <laughs> good job mm-hmm. that's what i'm here for well uh let's uh talk about your music yeah seriously so i've got i've got to, i've got to ask uh like that's boring. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we'll we'll have you now. on here to talk about uh, <laughs> Marty Stewart on the, the Marty Stewart podcast. We, we, we digress. Uh, so did you grow up on a farm? Because like something that really catches me, as I mentioned in that little intro, is like that farming as opposed to like cowboy type of yeah. theme. And you're so in tune with it. And these are things that I've never really heard in country music. It reminds me of like my experience, like right. we, we've got grain bins on the farm yeah. and like more, more so, like we had cattle when I was really young. Like yeah. I remember going to feed them with my grandfather, yeah. but we hadn't had them since I was five. We yeah. had some chickens, but it was otherwise that type of farm. For sure. And it's cool to hear that in country music. Well, I guess I'm, I, so just to answer your question specifically, no, I didn't grow up on a farm. I grew up just outside of Winnipeg. Uh, everyone, from Winnipeg is a step removed from the farm, if not like, if if not connected directly. There's just like there's less of an urban rural divide in in Manitoba, and that's sort of the thing that I started writing about uh, and was excited about most, you know. So, um, but yeah, I all my first jobs were farm jobs. Um, spent most of my youth as a laborer on different farms if it was picking eggs or uh starting to operate equipment so i started operating large equipment for farms when i was like probably 15 14 or something um so that's yeah and that that's sort of like that was all they all the people in my life my friends were all farmers and uh mostly grain and there's some hog outfits in southern manitoba as well that i was associated with loosely for a while so you're um, fully immersed in yeah life and then um and then we moved to my my partner she's from a purebred cattle farm uh with a large grain operation as well so we moved we bought a acreage close to where she grew up so we could be there and so when i'm home i farm with with her mom and dad and nice so it's still so that was that was kind of recently right five years we've been there um and we've been going like i've been it's been we've been together 10 years now so uh, yeah i've been at that farm sort of on and off working for 10 years so how are you 
managing like between music and the farm? Not well. No, because it seems like that would be a tough thing. You kind of got to be there. It creates tension for sure. I sort of have taken a step back from farming, especially like the winter is when we calve. And so I, I'm not there anymore and I can't be, uh, I'm just inconsistent. Like they can't count on me and they have to know that. And yeah. So, so who, when I had, when I, like, so a few years ago, I had like, I, I had a massive management contract and I had a pretty decent record label and that those kind of all fell to pieces and the farm was like completely there for me. And just, I worked pretty much for two years, full time, seven days a week for them and, uh, really, really kind of got my feet wet with cattle and figured out cows and how to work with cattle and, uh, felt pretty grateful, uh, just about the whole the whole time I was there but then I kind of I I had an opportunity to keep making music and I felt like I was never home anyway when I was on the farm I was gone seven days a week long long days and um, my partner was getting a little bit tired of that too and uh, figured out a way to get another record out use crowdfunding and then got another label and now I've, I'm back on the road in the farm I, I just can't be there and I have a lot of guilt about it yeah but uh, I'm also pretty happy to be on a break from that too you know get to do what i love again you're a fantastic musician and it's like it's amazing that you can't that can't be your living that like you have to have a backup plan yeah i don't know that like for me when i like i i was full-time for music in music for eight years without another job but I was playing 200 shows a year. It's yeah. like unsustainable. Yeah, it's it a takes, young, a, takes a toll, right? Young man's game, young person's game. <laughs> uh, 200 shows a year is just, it's a bit hot. It's a bit too much. How old are you? Yeah. You look about our age. I'm 36. 36 okay, yeah. I'm 35. Yeah. So that, yeah, I'm an 83. 83. Yeah. 84. Yeah. Speak for yourself, you young pricks. <laughs> <laughs> How old are you, Ryan Funk? 27, 28. Oh, yeah. 28. Damn it. Young oh. man. Man. Always the oldest person in the room. Sean Ryan's is 57. Still, Ryan's like, <laughs> Ryan's like. I might as well uh, be. Yeah, 200 shows sounds good. You're into that, right? <laughs> like, yeah, let's do 300. Yeah, do it now. Yeah. 364. Yeah. I just need one day off for Christmas. <laughs> Christmas gigs are hard to get, like on Christmas Day. Never had one. I just dress up like Santa and and play. <laughs> Color your beard white and go. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, like the the long answer to that question is like still heavily associated with the farm and. Uh, still work harvest every year and try to make time for that and then still try to help calf cows in the winter if i can um but it just seems like this year i'm not going to be there at all you know we just had our first kid to my wife and i so uh congrats man trying to be not i'm not trying not to be away for more than like two weeks in one stretch so right. the kid remembers who i am hopefully <laughs> and then so it's not enough time for her to find someone else to sleep in my bed or whatever that's fair <laughs> that's uh, fair <laughs> Well, you yeah. like. I feel like it's justified now with all the early press, like picking up this momentum. Like that's a pretty good shout out from Rolling Stone. Yeah, that yeah. was huge. They did a. They. Did, I don't know if the. Yeah, so it was like two Rolling Stone articles in like two weeks. Wow. We got like a massive feature in, in Rolling Stone as well. Is that whose phone is? Oh, that? you. No way. <laughs> oh, it is too. <laughs> I've been texting you this whole time. I'm sorry. It's Dell's first interview. They were all dick pics too. <laughs> A beautiful piece, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been told. <laughs> by many a gentleman caller. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> many people that we interview on this podcast. I don't know why he does this all the time, but it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just who he is. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so There's I don't know. pending lawsuits. <laughs> how about you guys? What's going on here? How, how long have you been doing this podcast? Oh, boy. You're flipping the script. Ooh. Always. I want to know about you guys. People out there want to know. Yeah, we haven't talked about us at all. Oh, boy. <laughs> this is awkward. I don't know what to say. What did we do? Like a year-ish? I think we thought of it the end, maybe about a year ago, end of last year. But yeah. I think when we actually got recorded and posted was probably March or April. We just so hit 10,000 listens. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. This started as uh, Andrew and I used to call them our hangover brunches. So yeah, I had an idea for a podcast. I guess it all kind of started with cocaine and rhinestones. Yeah. Like you listen, like, of course, yeah. whole different concept than what we're doing, but I loved it. Like I was and doing a lot of cocaine and I was putting <laughs> rhinestones on everything. And there was, uh, <laughs> but there's only 12 of them and they're right. like an hour long. Like you, 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 you go through that pretty quickly and there wasn't that many others or ones that I liked. And so it was kind of like, we could do this. Who else, 
who else could I talk to though? So I'm not just standing there giving yeah. my dumb opinions. Yeah, and Sean sure. and I always have these hangover brunches where we end up, we're always just talking about country music and stuff. Like and so arguing we, hardcore. Yeah. And we're like, we should do this. So <laughs> how do you like approach talking about country music? I mean, and how, where do you disagree? Is this is the best part about, uh, it says like our lives in the, in the van. It's like who, whose voice is better. Like, I, I feel do you like, like, are you a Jones or a Hager guy? Or like, those types of questions I think are so fun to talk about, especially when you're driving across the country. Our, well, funnily enough, our, our first very episode, episode was uh, George, uh, George Jones versus George Strait because yeah. he's straight, I'm Jones, and we had yeah. a debate about. I'm and probably it didn't turn into that much of a debate. It was no, we kind yeah. of got on the same side. You're yeah. you're Jones for sure, right, Ryan? That would be Jones. Yeah, and you're straight. Probably. I mean. I think that you heard it here first, folks. I think that like Del Barber I, is straight. If I was, <laughs> if you're asking me who is more important historically, I, it's got to be George Jones. Yeah, like, buddy. But in terms of like who I listen to more, just like straight stats, it's George Strait. It's straight stats, yeah. straight yeah. talk. <laughs> yeah. I just, you know, and it's part of that is just '90s country nostalgia for me. I, I have to admit. That, that's yeah. all. Okay. Same thing with Andrew, and I'm a little bit older, so I like the older stuff better, but. And I grew up I, I on that what, stuff too. Yeah. yeah. But I think what our our deal is, is that I like like a ton of underground stuff and classic stuff. And Andrew like dials me back into some of the newer stuff that's good. Yeah. There's lots of it out there. And I don't... I was a disbeliever. Is, this is the thing about the conversation around pop country or country or whatever. It's like there's always people that are... Like even the concept of saving country music, which is just like... I'm like that didn't that doesn't need saving yeah it's been doing yeah. great it's fine it's like, always go been out it's there like yeah. you want classic country it's there go look find it it's like we have now we have to have like this like fake sense of adversity instead of just like celebrating something and um that adversarial attitude though i think it's problematic for the I genre do too because it, it it puts this divide for no reason like it doesn't need to be there well it's also just a corporate um like on purpose well yeah because if if it was like how radio stations used to be where you would as artists or like managers individually pitch individual radio stations it didn't have to be like big labels with money pushing singles there would be so much better country music on that like people would almost democratically um want to listen to because like the, the pop country, like the straight down the middle, like Sam Hunt, Kelsey Ballerini stuff that isn't country, but fits on in that slot on the radio station. People now think that's country and either like it because it's pop and they're actually just pop listeners totally. or hate it because it's not country. And then they think that's what country is. And then they listen to something like you or I don't know. I'm all about John Party in Midland right yeah. now because they're like bringing it back and you hear this kind of sounding like oh you know what i didn't like country but i like that and it's like yeah that's or like country. culture wall or tyler yeah, exactly. Childers. like but people don't understand that's new country i'm putting a space in the word for a reason like it's how, new and it's country so how do you feel about that like being having always been an independent artist like what's your success with country radio <laughs> yeah well and or okay, so <laughs> you're laughing pretty hard. <laughs> so how has that been an issue, or what have you tried to do, or what have they told you, and what has your strategy since then been? Um, so last record I put out, it's called Prairieography. It's like a I love that nod record. To the, nod, the nod to Ian Tyson's Cowboyography. It's one of my favorite records. It <laughs> like sounds like a place and. I like have this like really artsy sort of idea that you can't escape where you're from and you will end up speaking and sounding like that. And so you have to sort of pay attention to that and, and don't pretend that you're from anywhere else. You know, it's like this constant attempt at sincerity is like, that's what defines country music to me. It's like, mm -hmm. how do you be sincere? And that's what makes it good. And then we judge people if they're being sincere or not. And you don't know when you're being insincere, right? You just try to be sincere. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, True North Records put it out and they were like, this is a country record. We're going to get a radio tracker and we're going to pitch this to country music. I'm like, it doesn't sound like, I'm like, you don't listen to country radio. I listen to pop country radio. I don't listen all the time, but I'm always like interested in, there's the odd song that I really like and I want to yeah, hear. You're aware it. of it. Yeah. I, I think I'm, I just need to, I think it's just like 
my job to know what's going on. Market uh, research. And, you know, and like w- watching, watching things change, watching Stapleton get plays on pop country radio and like slowly things look like they're changing all the time and then and never end up really changing. Uh, there's just like one or two songs that seem to happen that sound a little bit different. This sounds like a band playing in a room. Whoa, what is this? This is strange. And, uh, and then, then the rest of it just sounds like tracks or whatever. But yeah, we had absolutely no, no plays spent like $8,000 on radio tracking and got absolutely nowhere. So, um, and I knew we'd go nowhere. I knew it doesn't, it didn't sound like it should be on that radio. Like it just didn't fit in. It would have sounded completely foreign and like, I was like, I trust you guys. You're putting up the cash. I'm going to have to pay you back. But, you know, yeah. anyone who wants to invest eight grand in a radio campaign, you're like, yeah, let's go. I'm yeah, in. let it be, right? Let it roll. Yeah. So it's a classic. Uh, we all sort of the roots artists who sound twangy, which is kind of what this is. Yeah. Uh, struggle with the in-between space of like, we don't really fit on in Radio 2, like CBC yeah. format, and we don't fit in on country radio the, the new record wouldn't fit on radio too i mean they won't they won't play it i like, i think no. honestly I, like i gave your new record like a thorough listen in the last couple of days that belongs on radio it's well, not thanks. like it's not on on radio cbc radio too yes yeah but so, i feel like this is a big push from western canada like you've got okay like Coulter Walsh, sure but he's more like blowing it up in the u.s it's huge but you got like blake berglund um uh, Bell Plain, like it's there's a big surge from out west, and it's this traditional, like traditional like style roots. music, yeah. yeah. And it's it's because people understand that you guys have lived it, like these stories you told us about, like the farm and stuff, and that that makes a difference in music when people understand that you actually lived it. You're not just some guy singing about back roads and trucks and hey girl and all this is what happened in hamilton the other night it was like this guy was like i've never heard anything like this before and they're (laughs) like yeah because it's real it's like but that that's like the whole idea right i don't know like it it doesn't seem it it's not like i don't know if you want shit thrown at you then you can lie to them yeah man whatever sticks to the wall right like i've never written a song that i didn't live I, yeah. I feel like you're the same way. Well, and I don't write about myself really. Uh, so like some of it is, isn't what I've lived, but I, I think I like I document character. That's well, like something. Kind of yeah. How do you experience, right? How do you come across some of those? Cause you're, you've got songs about guys that are working in the grocery store, stocking the shelves, some gas station yeah. attendants. Yeah. Like it, it, are these things that just fictional stories that you've really gotten into and made up or are they stories that you've heard or people, you know, for the most part, it starts, it starts with one initial meeting of someone and then they sort of become this like archetype for this character that I'm trying to to sort of sing about and a lot of times it's like direct quotes I've stolen from their mouths and you know and and just like uh, I do a lot of research so if like uh, I you know if I'm there's a particular song I wrote called The Waitress a few years ago that a lot of people love and it was like about one particular night and one particular meeting, but I then I spent a lot of time really alone at truck stops, like prodding waitresses about their lives and like getting fodder. And it's just what I do. It's just like putting getting real creepy. Yeah. How, how many waitresses did you prod? <laughs> <laughs> zero, zero, zero. Uh, zero. I, the I, fifth. I, I played the fifth. I wrote a song in a, in a restroom in Edmonston. New, New Brunswick. Brunswick. Yeah. I, like I was sitting in the shitter and uh, <laughs> some like terrible country music song came on. It was like they named the radio station like they did their radio call. It was like where country music lives. And then the hook for my song was if this were uh, if this is where country is going, then I, I don't know where it's been. <laughs> sure. That's good. Just taking a dump in Edmonston, New Brunswick. Well, and it's going down. Yeah, where it all ends is the same place. <laughs> so yeah. when the guy said that he's never heard anything like it before, was he talking about like the same thing I was, where this is a bit of a departure from the common themes of country music, where you're more focusing on like quote unquote farmers as opposed to like rodeo, cowboys, back roads, etc.? Or like musically? Yeah, I think that's the other thing is that I don't like we we run cattle and we use horses to do it and 
but um, it's not like the main theme of your i just your music i think like there are so many other great songs that that have uh, from people that have lived that lifestyle and like actually ranchy cattle and like uh not just show cattle and purebred cows and stuff and like i just don't have i just can't do it honestly and i also feel like i've kind of had enough of romanticizing that mm-hmm. like I, there are people that can do it really well still but i'm just like it's really hard to, to do it in a way that's like that that feels sincere and um there are some good songwriters that are doing it for sure like mike beck he's He's a wicked. He's like a hippie buccaneer guy, and he just travels around and writes these songs. Col- <laughs> Coulter's, Coulter's covering one of his songs now. And what song? Uh, I can't remember the name of it. But it's just, it's just like guys like that, like the real deal, like in Nevada, like d- doing it, and they're they're gonna write about it. And I'm not doing it. I'm not gonna romanticize it. I like. I'm real proud of you. I know you a lot Western of Canada guys. Like I know a lot of like uh, a lot of cowboys that that are you know. Uh, addicted to heavy drugs and who are broken in half and uh and it's it's not a rosy future for them and so i you know i don't know how to sort of write about that in a way that's like hopeful um i also don't want to just uh talk negatively about how this is like a the, the cowboy songwriter is endlessly talking about how it's all over how we've lost the west and we have fences now and it's like we've been singing the same fucking songs we're for, still there like we're still we still have this this lifestyle and it's not being celebrated you're just waxing about how what you had was gone and it's like Uh Mm. you're 20 you didn't lose anything you never wanted for anything in your life stop it you know it's a pretty common theme though right and that's like the the real country stuff that's happening or whatever but i mean i like like childers too i find like he's he's writing about real shit and like masturbation yeah exactly (laughs) everybody's into that song we'd we died you jumped on that we died so hard about that song it's good he's he's writing about stuff that's like it's relevant or it's funny or it's like he he's i don't know he's breaking down walls of like what you can sing about i just i love how quickly he blowed up it was it was great blew up blowed up i blowed him up he done blowed up (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's cool to watch the the industry change but in so many ways the canadian country music industry is 10 years behind yeah but you guys are leading it man Western Canada. I think we are not in charge of leading anything. I, well, we would, who's in charge? We could make small circles and uh, end up <laughs> like crop circles, dead with dysentery. It's not <laughs> Ontario's not doing it. Well, I feel like it's a good competitive advantage you have because there's there's a style. Like I feel like like yourself and the other guys I mentioned that little intro, like Coulter and Blake, Blaine, Blake Berglund. Blaine. Yeah, yeah, they all kind of have a similar rootsy sound. That uh, I don't know. I think I think is really starting to pick up and i guess that also leads into the uh, americana question exactly how, how do you how do you feel about that we, we have mixed thoughts about good. it good yeah i do like the idea of it um of, i don't as it, a genre. It, it's, it means nothing this now. will be the next two hours of the podcast this is like <laughs> why childers is sort of interesting to me because he's just like i'm a country musician that's he like went on record saying I'm yeah, not American. At that award, yeah. It's like, dude, just take the award, man. Yeah. Like, it's this is a good thing. It was. But a, I, I was I like a, how he just takes his balls out regularly and just is like, I'm I doing know. This. And that, but that's just like. But he can. He doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, well, it's pretty easy to not give a fuck when you're when the money's pouring in, you yeah, know. And true. the rest of us are like, any that's opportunity true. you can give me, I Sir, will take. Could you throw me some bread? <laughs> like I, I go down to Americana Music uh, uh, Festival pretty much every year in nashville i've missed the last year i was at the last one but uh it's a great association in terms of industry stuff it's the best thing we have like it's incredible so like on on one hand for me pragmatically i need them and can't bite the hand of feet and i feel like i fit in there really well Uh, but everybody's dying to fit in there now because there's money and there's there hasn't been money before like you're watching pageantry happen uh that never happened before. There's like cocaine again, and there's like, there's like <laughs> a guy. Cocaine always surfaces today when stuff gets yeah, popular. Yeah, when yeah, when economic surplus happens, it means cocaine. <laughs> and uh, like like, there's you know there was like people. Uh, I don't know if you know Paul Cawthon. Yeah. Um, he's like half an hour into his his full set, full room. I don't know, 800 people were there. Halfway through, he unplugged his mic, chucked it in the crowd, and walked off. Like there's just a lot of, uh, um, pomp. You know, and, and, yeah. and, and it's sort of pageantry is cool. Like I love, I love aesthetics and stuff, but like when the, and the pageantry exceeds the, the art 
uh, it becomes a problem. And like Americana, if you're more cocky than you are talented. Yeah, Americana is <laughs> at this place where it doesn't really know who it is, and it never really can be anything in particular. Nor should it's it. It's really. fluid, and it's, it's kind of an issue because it's like we're defining ourselves by what we're not, and I don't like yeah. that. Well, and, and that's the same thing with like not being pop country or whatever, right. or, or like that this is bad and that that makes me good. It's like you you don't actually have any identity. You're just uh, you're just saying you're not this, and it's like right. We're worth a little more than that. Like we're part of a pretty long tradition of songwriting, and there's clearly people we look up to. Everybody in Americana is happy with John Prine, for instance, or yeah. whatever. And so am I. He's one yeah. of my favorite songwriters. Um, and those people are being celebrated. And like John Prine had the biggest year of his career last year. Yeah. So, I mean. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, totally. I, I guess the thing that for me bugs me about it is country artists, like country country artists, no longer really have a place on country radio. And they've just been kind of relegated to this catch-all term of Americana yeah. that is also including people that were like alt-country, yeah, bluegrass, bluegrass, everything just put grass, together. everything. Yeah, and new like grass. that's all cool. Dark but grass. when like... I was listening to a podcast. I don't remember which one. Someone was interviewing Leanne Womack, one of my all-time favorites and super country, like country, country artist. And her last record, a little bit more folkier vibes. And, yeah. And she, she was saying like, country radio doesn't play me anymore. Uh, like I've been relegated to Americana. Dude, country radio didn't play the last Alan Jackson record and it ruled. That record yeah, was that's killer. unreal. Yeah. It's Absolutely crazy. Unreal. They wouldn't touch it. Yeah. Unreal. And it's like, and George Strait just came out with one too. And you like, apart from Satellite XM, like, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure I've heard it on. No, like, I haven't. And like, so what is the world we're in right now where that's not happening? That's not being played on. I'm air quoting. Nobody can see this, but it's not being played on country radio. That's like that's so messed up. I guess my question for you then is, if you're going down to like Americana Fest and everything, and this this is a big thing for you, how? Like, is that just through building your name for shows or is there like, do you get played on like outlaw XM or anything like that? Cause I feel like that yeah. would be the most Americana. There's station. an Americana satellite station actually based in Toronto now. Really? Called Americana North. Hmm. And huh. uh, they're playing the shit out of the record. That's, That's on satellite XM. Um, yeah. That's uh, great, man. And then, yeah, I haven't had any luck with outlaw country, uh, radio, like, uh, I, I, I don't know how to Sh get into Shooter that. Shooter Jennings isn't isn't returning um, your phone yeah, calls. Yeah, like Corb, like Corb does well on that stuff. And uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, your buddies with Corb too. Nobody, right? yeah, nobody really is leaning on radio to make any money except like major pop country acts like the Jess Moskalukes in Canada. And right. Even Paul Brandt's radio campaigns aren't doing as good as they used to. You know. I don't He's know when he last. When, when did he last put out a record? I guess I, I haven't heard it because it wouldn't have been uh, on country radio. Two years ago. Oh, I, I do remember that. That's right. Yeah, it was a so pretty big tour. Super... The tour was yeah. really successful, it seemed like, anyway. So he's a sweetheart. Yeah, he's a good dude? Yeah, he's the best. Yeah, so he's you, like you guys... Very Christian dude, Yeah, um, but really easy to be around. And yeah, I've spent a bit of time with him. I really like the guy. He always he always tends me text during harvest and he's like, hope everybody's okay. Hope everybody's safe. He just like thinks of people and sends them messages. Like he's just sweet. He's no reason to send me a message, you know? Oh, that's nice. It's just, I don't know. It's just a nice guy. And does he still live in Calgary? I have no idea. Okay. Uh, I think he's, he's in like Cochrane or Calgary area or something. Yeah. So dude, I wanted to ask you a question. Clay pigeons. Last yeah. Night. Oh yeah. You guys were into that. That's good. I was happy about that. I'm the, like the biggest blaze Foley. Like that's basically, that's me. As you were as you were Talk telling that as you were yeah. telling that story leading into it, we were both looking at each other and was like, "I hope that I hope this is." And then yeah. when you started, it was just like, "What?" Like the whole yeah, we lost quiet and we just erupted. No oh, one yeah. ever knows. We always play that, and people are like, "That's a cool song." Never heard of it, but oh, you know. yeah, Blaze Foley is just like you hear the story about where uh, what like Towns Van Zandt dug him up to get his the pawn slip out of his yeah suit jacket to get his guitar out of, out of Hawk. <laughs> yeah and then they sunk a ship together yeah just anyways what made you cover that um you're just a big fan i cover it too yeah i don't know i don't know why we started playing that one but it's been nice i think that was one of those moments where we didn't know what to do and ryan's like <laughs> i was like i want to play this one he's like i know what and we played it and i was like oh. you crushed it no it's, it's fun we've been playing it almost every night so 
Try to I, keep I played it. that. I played that song at the Dakota where you were the other night. For some reason, this lady, like, yelled at me. She was super angry about it, and I couldn't figure out what was happening. But I was on stage, so I didn't have time to like stop and ask her what was wrong. But she was really mad, so I just played the song. Did you did you use the place Foley lyric "Big Fat Lady"? Maybe she's mad about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Because like in some version, it's it's big fat lady with two or three kids. You know. That... I think oh, about this most yeah. days of my life. Like, what happened? I need to know. I, if if you're listening, angry lady, let me know because I would love to make it up to you. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, I love so... Blaze though, man. I think he's like the my favorite voice of yeah. of that sort of generation of and such of a good story too, right? It's a good story. I, I'm not as moved as uh, by like just by self destruction as I was when in my twenties. Like that, I was obsessed with towns and blaze and like this like this lifestyle. And I'm just I'm kind of like I just don't think it actually makes good art. Like I think those guys got lucky, but I think if they were a little bit healthier and took care of themselves, they might. What do you mean they got lucky? They died. <laughs> well, no, but like in terms of like being able to produce any art while being that that much of an addict. You know, yeah. oh, right. um, I, I still romanticize it. Like it, to me, it's still the most, it's the best thing ever. Wasn't Steve Earle like a huge meth head? Yeah, but he came out on the other Heroin. side. Heroin. Yeah. Yeah. Like I hear he had like no teeth at one point or like. Yeah, but he's been gr- through, he's been through it all. Yeah. Steve Earle's the best. I'm yeah. amazed I don't have a Steve Earle quote for this episode. Yeah, you had a, you are constant. <laughs> there was a string of episodes we had where you seemed to have a quote for everything from Steve Earle. That's yes. great. Yeah, I love, I love Steve Earle. Always have. Yeah, he's like, and he's to me, he's always been country, you know, country yeah. artist. Yeah. So, uh, tell me, I I love the record, and it seems like an interesting concept record. Uh, the your hockey record and the no regret skis. <laughs> okay, so um, <laughs> what, what, like this, I just got to say, this is the most Canadian <laughs> thing ever. Like Del Barber and the no regret skis. So we're, we're getting into some can entirely right now. <laughs> entirely hockey album. This is this record was supposed to be. Uh, it's a gimmick, right? It's just supposed to be funny. It was not supposed to come out under my name at all. It was supposed to come out under the No Regretskis, and then <laughs> I would have no associations with it aside from putting it together. And like, I was at the point with my label that I was like, I kept sending them all my demos, and I was like, pretty stoked about all these songs I was writing, and they were just not into it. They're just like, this is too country. This is, you know, it was always like that. Was always the question. It was like, you're too twangy for this, and like. We didn't have any success with the radio campaign. You can't do the country thing. You don't have the right voice. You don't wear the right clothes, whatever. Um, so then I'm just like in the middle of the night, I'm like, fuck, I just need to do something here. Like I'm sitting, I'm like, I've got shows, but I have no product coming out. Like I'm dead in the water here. I've got all these songs I love. And I was just like, had a couple beers and just sent them this long email being like, what about a hockey record? And like the next morning they were like, yes, money's in your account. Do it. I was like, what? This is insane. I can't believe you went for this. After every other idea I've sent you, you've been like, meh. This was just a drunk idea. Yeah. Lukewarm, lukewarm. And then just like, you're going to be rich. This record, it's the best idea we've ever heard. And like, they gave us like half of the money uh, that we probably needed to make a proper record. And we just like cut it in two days and just was like in and out and just fun, you know? And I had a couple songs that I had wrote, like hockey specific songs. So I was like, I'm not going to record those on my records probably. So just put them on there and. Was that before or after the Hockey Night in Canada theme song was being redone? Because remember a couple of years ago, they... Well, they switched networks. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, so they were they did like an open call for a new yes. Hockey Night in Canada song. Yeah, we recorded that song on that record. Yeah, it was super fun. Huh. It's like Grant Seaman's Honky Tonk version of uh, instrumental class. Well, there's an opening That guy there. is super There's cool. an opening now. Don Cherry's gone. You could probably get in there. I'm actually going to write the theme song for his run for prime minister. <laughs> you know he's totally please get into politics. Please, Don, do not get into politics. We, Don, served, if you're listening. You've served uh, your time Do you know he's 85? Eye. Yes. I couldn't believe that. I heard his, that His yesterday. dog, Blue, is 300 years old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We, can, we, can, we can take a pause. <laughs> oh, you like wine? Yeah. Oh man, you should see the basement. I'm gonna check that out after. What do you do for a living? I'm a wine agent. You are okay. Yeah, yeah. That's what Rob used to do. Yeah. Oh no way. Yeah. This was Rob's life. Okay. Who? Who's Rob? He's my buddy. He's like now he deals in '50s furniture, uh, mid-century furniture. One cool thing to another. Yeah. He has like 8,000 square foot warehouse space in Winnipeg, and he, uh, yeah, he's um, mostly rent stuff to movies now. Oh, very I buy cool. all. I bought all my house 
all my whole furniture, all this, all my stuff from him basically. Nice. But yeah, he used to be a wine rep and that was, I learned, I never had the privilege of learning about wine really till Rob came around and it's just like, it's 10 years ago now, but we, we have never talked about wine on the podcast before. No way. I don't know a lot about wine, but what, I, what do you like? What's um, your, what's your, what's your thing? Malbec's man. Oh yeah. Still. Yeah. That's Rob a... got me on Malbec's, uh, for the value. Uh, he said, you just, you just get better wine for less money. If you're buying like South America, Argentinian stuff. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. He's, uh, he, he's, he's totally right. That's that what, yeah, Chile that's and Argentina yeah. are some of the, the best values in, in the world. Particularly if you like things that are on the fuller side of wines. For sure. Um, fuller bodied. But yeah. Uh, yeah, Argentina, even like down in Patagonia, they're making some good Pinot Noirs. Yeah, I like Pinot Noirs too. And I mean, I, I'm even like I was in uh, California this year and we just ended up drinking French rosés the whole time. And I was like, I was really into it. It's like perfect. And they weren't like, they had teeth, you know, they, they yeah. weren't. Uh, I always, the, based on the color, associated them with a certain flavor in my head and it was not that at all it was like really pretty grapey i don't know did yeah. i just did i just step into like a wine podcast yeah, yeah this is the one like i wine left podcast. i left for one second and it was a country music, like a country music podcast well he's he's he walked by and saw a bit of the basement and uh should i like wine and he you know, he's got a buddy go who bar? used to be a wine rep <laughs> my buddy yeah rob used to be a wine rep it's tough grind though hey like the job at least for rob it was was just a lot of drinking and a lot of driving. Yeah, yeah, we, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's always um, a lot of drinking, Mr. Merle. <laughs> don't mind the the paw prints. Our executive producer Merle the Springer has walked in. Oh, and he got a haircut, and he's so handsome. Yeah. So the thing that I was thinking about, um, especially with this like sort of uh, continuing conversation about Western Canada. Western Canadian music, people seeming like it's happening to us right now. It just feels like we're just struggling. Like, I don't like when Blake's a good buddy of mine and he's just like, I don't know what to do. I don't fit in anywhere. It doesn't work. I can't get, I can't sell tickets. I've been doing this for a decade. What he's do I do? Well, though. It's, no, it's smoke, man. Really? Yeah. It's all smoke. Like it's their a struggle. Show, when I saw them, I see them open for Coulter probably. You yeah. It, it was in Toronto. Yeah. And it was wild, man. Like the place was packed. Everybody was singing along at the Dakota. Um, or at the Coulter show at the Horseshoe. Where was it? It was in Toronto for sure. Okay. Anyways, yeah, it was. Well, Coulter's doing really well. Yeah, like we all know this. Yeah, um, but yeah, Blake. It, I just talked to Blake on the phone two days ago. And he's just like pulling out his teeth. Like, I don't know what to do. He's a really nice guy, man. He's a great guy. Yeah. The interaction I've had with him is like he's. I don't know. He's just real down to earth. Yeah. But, okay. So I have a question for you. So someone like Coulter Wall. Do you feel that he's too traditional to like, I feel like there's a glass, not like a glass ceiling there for him where he, he can never. I don't he, think he's traditional at all. No, no. <laughs> well, give me your, let get a, Let's, let's get a hot take. Um, I think he's, I think it's, I think he's a folk artist. Yeah. Like as a folk singer, just like Ian Tyson was, I don't know. Like he is, he just loves the sound of, country music and so his folk songs are they sound country um and he's got that kind of murder ballady type of well he's only written. done one murder ballad yeah but, yeah, the rest but of a lot of it is like that sound kind of like yeah exactly. oh, and your voice is like this you know well, what I mean? like, beautiful to, to well as as i've said before on the podcast that sometimes <laughs> i do this we argue about this a lot we argue about it all the time uh i have this party trick that i like to do with some people who don't know his music all that well or like know a couple of the songs yeah. and i go onto spotify and we play a game is it Coulter Wall or is it old man Johnny Cash? Like American Highways, like Hurt yeah. era, yeah. where I, I, I've never met Coulter. I, I yeah. like his music, but the He's first time dude. I heard it, I thought it was like Johnny Cash, like from an old record. And I was like, what? This guy's 21? Yeah, like I love Coulter's voice, man. Yeah. I think it's I think it's great. Yeah, he's a sweetheart too. I, like, I'm pumped that it's it's one of those things where you don't have to like country music to like Coulter Wall. Like, there's a lot of people who don't like country that are that are into Coulter. Yeah, I've so. turned some people onto him where they're like, they have no interest in country, and I'm yeah. like, you know, he's he's good. You should listen to this shit. But uh, yeah, 
He uh, don't. I've said this on pod, podcast before, but don't ever like don't ever drink with Coulter. Like we drank a Montreal bar out of whiskey. Nice and uh, good. Yeah, I woke up face down in Airbnb, like missing my friends. Like they were supposed to stay there with me. So you with- do that all the time, then. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. Um, so I want to bring it back to the pedal steel for uh, a moment. Um, talk to me about your your rig. What's what's your setup? What are you playing through? Uh, right now I'm playing. Uh, it's a Fessenden. Yeah, guitar. those are sweet guitars. I've never played one, but yeah. I like the sound of them. Yeah, it's great. Uh, ten string uh, E9. Yeah, is what I've been using. Because uh, I can't imagine wrapping my head around anything else. <laughs> Uh, and uh, yeah, and I'm playing it through my old '67 Super. Yeah, that's give me grief every fourth every, gig, but every it fourth sounds gig. like a dream. Yeah. So I keep. Did I it around. see that uh, you have your like the uh, E lowers reversed as well? It's the Emmons setup, so it so it's like left knee, left knee right drops the E. Okay, all right, yeah, I have it the opposite yeah. way. I have right knee left that drops the E's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was a Al Briscoe suggestion when I when I got this one. This one's my second one. I had a a, a starter one before, and uh, he's like, "If you're gonna do this, you you should do it right." And I, I forget what the reason yeah. was for it. I think you well, I think Paul Franklin has his set up that okay. way, and he was yeah. like, "If this is who's doing it this yeah. way, you yeah, should yeah, probably yeah. just for do sure. the same thing." But yeah. there's like I forget which functions uh, you the other way. There's something that you can't do. Mm. Yeah, yeah it eliminates now. a few possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I, I can't believe you've just been playing for two years. I've been playing for almost five now, and, uh, like, hearing you yesterday, that was, like, well done. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, you know, I think, um, and I've told this to other people who have been interested in starting up on the steel guitar, is the lap steel is the perfect place to start. It's affordable. It's totally. uh, You can make it sound beautiful. There's a million... Uh, possibilities on that instrument alone and then your hands get familiar with what you're doing it's the same thing yeah so when i jumped to the pedal steel guitar it was really just a matter of like you know getting all the other two limbs involved yeah yeah Yeah, i played banjo first and uh so i got used to the finger picks yeah 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 then i got a lap steel but i just i needed the i I didn't spend any time on it yeah i think i literally like a couple weeks and then i was like nope not twangy enough yeah need need the pedals right yeah yeah I love what you just said, getting the other two limbs involved. <laughs> well, this is a team effort here. Yeah, there's all four yeah, things are happening. you got to get all, all four rolling. Deck, well, Ryan's a really smart player. Like, he, he's just, he's got uh, taste. He doesn't, uh, he stays in his lane. Like, he's not going to be doing things he's not comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, even for the most experienced players, like, it makes them bad when they step outside of their abilities, especially on the steel guitar. Yeah, when they go over the top. Yeah, and it's just it's like it's like the steel guitar and the sound of it and and the parts Ryan plays like he can cover any parts from the records like he's good enough to do that. Uh, that's not required in my show ever. Like I don't like re, re I don't like playing the record live. It's not what we do. Right. Play it however we want, and the player gets to choose however they want to solo or not. And um, traveling with Ryan and the steel guitar is like it's a dream. He loves being on the road. Uh, He's got really good intonation. Yeah. Um, and that's like the starting point for a fretless instrument at all. There's yeah. hearing out of tune steel is it's, oh. it's the worst. And <laughs> so like, even if you can play one chord on that thing in tune, it's going to make me super happy, you know, yeah. and uh, devote like two whole years of your life to something and it gets pretty good, pretty quick, you know, mm-hmm. he just has that thing. He's like also a creep and steel guitar players <laughs> are all like slightly off. And so it was like right away when he was getting yeah, into it, I was like, this guy's perfect for this. This is he's, why he's I'm trying with this. this mustache right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wasn't creepy enough. You improve your playing. You don't yeah. need it. Exactly. If you have a mustache, you don't need the tone bar. You yeah, just use your mustache. Right. <laughs> Steel. I don't That was certainly like, it was pretty magical last night. Like when you guys would go like super quiet and then you just bust out like a real quiet building yeah. solo it's hard steel uh, like when you're playing with no backup and like it's it can be quite stressful and and the way i've been playing is because i got that monster amp that i'm using and i like to get that thing i turn it up fairly loud and then just feather the volume pedal so yeah i do the same quiet portions of the song where it's the steel creeps in and everything's almost silent the potential the risk for 
like catastrophic failure is yeah. through the roof. <laughs> Risk versus like, reward. Yeah, if I, all I need to do is just put a, push that pedal down a little too much, and an eighth of an inch drums explode. Yeah, because yeah. that, that's nice because that way I do that well, myself because you get and, a, and, a longer sustain too. Because then you can put your toe down. And, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Well, and you, you sounded great last be, night. Uh, well, thank you very you much. Sounded yeah. fantastic. It was also like ethereal, like just the way that quiet room like when you do this solo and it was just like hmm. it filled the room like it was a really good listening room and i can't it say was, yeah. that i've ever heard like solo steel in a listening room like yeah, that right and uh i understood why people were angry about people talking in that room right yeah, yeah. i had no idea like I, I only found out you were coming yesterday right like, yeah man yeah because <laughs> thanks for coming my, my buddy <laughs> steve minute. was opening for you and i saw on instagram that he had posted a picture of you and then with his name underneath like opening for and the other band I was like, what? Tomorrow? Okay. Yeah. Like that quickly turned around. And when I got there, I, so I didn't know if you're traveling just solo with a whole band. And I saw the pedal steel with the cover on it back at the back of the stage. I was just like, oh, yes. Yeah. We decided, yes, we decided real quick. Yeah. I was out in the bush yesterday. I didn't want to come home. And then he's like, oh, there's this show happening. I'm like, all right, I'll come back. Nice. Well, thanks for coming, guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We really hey, appreciate it. Hey, man, it was worth it. You guys had. That was a great show, like one of the best shows I've seen in a long time. Yeah, well, thanks. And thanks for coming on the podcast. Of this course. This might be a good time to wrap it up and let you guys get on yeah. the road to Montreal. Yeah, right on. Thanks yeah. for having us on. We appreciate it. We love podcasts. It's all we listen to in the van. We listen to music and then we fight about it and then we listen to podcasts and then we don't fight about it. So. <laughs> well, listen to so, our podcast. Yeah, so <laughs> you'll hear us fight about yeah. it and then you can fight about no it. No problem. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Country, country music.